This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We made it to the weekend. Hope you all are having a great Friday. I'm Daniel Salerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who is in Costa Mesa, California, with the New Orleans Saints as they gear up for preseason game number two on Sunday night against the Los Angeles Chargers. Still weird to say the Los Angeles Chargers. I think I'll get used to it so far so good, but we'll see how that goes throughout the show. Uh, day two of joint practices between the two teams is in the books as they uh, had a practice yesterday. Things went okay for the New Orleans Saints, according to Sean Payne, and today was a little better. But they also got some good news from Max Unger, who has been lifted off the pup list, passed his physical yesterday, and was back on the practice field today, gearing up for some preseason action. Don't think we'll see him in Sunday's game against the Chargers, but could see him in action against the Texans next week or in the finale against the Baltimore Ravens. So how about this? Before we get into what's going to be on today's show, let's hear from Max Unger as he spoke to the media today after practice. Seems rare that guys are ahead of schedule. How glad are you just to you know, be ready to go? Yeah, uh, I don't know about ahead of schedule. I think you know we came up with a calendar, uh, just a, you know, a plan for return. I think uh, so far we're on it. Um, you know, haven't had too many setbacks, and so... Uh, you know, it feels good, and uh, I think uh, I guess we're on schedule. And how long do you think it might take you and Larry to build the mm -hmm. you know chemistry that you need? Yeah, uh, hopefully not too long. I mean, uh, he's he's got most of the offense down. I'd say almost all of it, and uh, it's just you know a little little bit here and there. But uh, you know, for the most part, I think we'll be able to uh, you know pick it up pretty quickly. So how do you feel? Oh, good. Yeah. On schedule, I guess uh, would be the best way. But. Um, yeah, no setbacks so far. Um, it's just a matter of transitioning to football at this point. Real sore at the end of the day when you get home? Not too bad. Not too bad. Do you feel like you need work in the preseason, or are you kind of good to go if you just start? Yeah, right? definitely. I mean, I think that's um, that's something we'd like to do. Um, you know, it looks at this point, you know, we're on schedule to get some reps in the preseason, and so I think that that's important, you know, before playing uh, the regular season. How hard was it just how hard has it been just watching from the sidelines? Yeah, that's tough. Um, the, you know, you're you're in all the installs, you're in all the meetings. You know, you do everything with the team. You just don't get to go play, and it's just tough watching. You know, everybody out there working, and <laughs> you're just kind of hanging on the sidelines. So um, it's good to be in it. You know, and it's it, it feels good to be back and get some reps. So. With uh, the stuff that happened with the orthopedist, mm -hmm. how much do you wonder if there was a misdiagnosis or if this could have happened earlier with your surgery? You know, it, nothing. None of that really matters anymore because the surgery's done, and and, and here I am. Uh, it's tough to look back you know it's you know there's no blame on anybody I mean uh, this is this is an issue that we just had to get fixed and uh, you know regardless of when it happened you know hopefully I'll be able to get back at uh, full speed cool wish you well. had the surgery earlier? Uh, I mean yeah, that would have been good but uh, you know that that wasn't really uh, in the conversation when we had it you know at the end of the year and so it's it, it's just a matter of you know an unfortunate series of events good to hear from Max we look forward to seeing him back on the field Later on in the preseason, of course, all the uh, press conferences, if in case you missed them earlier today, be sure to log on to NewOrleansSaints.com, or you can also go on the Saints Facebook page and click on the Facebook Live where they had all the press conferences. You can run through them all if you want to go to a certain player or hear from head coach Sean Payton, no problem. Go to the Facebook Live page, and you can listen and watch all of them from there. And, of course, Sean Kelly and John DeShazer will have an afternoon wrap for you, presented by Acme Oyster House later on today 
as well. We have a great show for you on this Friday, getting you ready for Saints and Chargers on Sunday night. Again, it'll be on locally here, Fox 8. But if you are out of the area, it'll be on NFL Network as well, 7 o'clock Central. I'll have more details on that when we get out of here. Sean Kelly will be talking with Deuce McAllister, former Saints running back and radio analyst on the New Orleans Saints radio network. You'll hear from those two later on. Plus, we'll talk some Pelicans on this Friday. Of course, the schedule has been out since Monday, and I know a lot of people have been breaking down that schedule, including Sean and David Wesley on Facebook Live Tuesday afternoon. But we're going to talk some more about the schedule. A little roundtable discussion with Sean, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, and myself, a full breakdown of the schedule, including the beginning, which looks a little daunting with the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers as the two home openers for the Pelicans. And then the end of the schedule as well will go from game one to 82 later on in the program. All right, let's get started with today's show. Coming up next, Sean Kelly with Deuce McAllister. Stay with us on the Black and Blue Report. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. We continue to recap today's joint practice between the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Chargers gearing up for Sunday's preseason game in Los Angeles. Let's go back out to Costa Mesa, California. Sean Kelly standing by with former Saints running back and radio analyst on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network, Deuce McAllister. Guys. Daniel, thanks, Deuce. Practices are in the book here in Costa Mesa. What'd you see? Thought it improved, you know. Uh, thought the first day was sloppy. Um, you know, I don't know if they really competed as they can, but today was a totally different story. You know, I thought that they were a lot crisper, whether it was the routes, whether it was the pickups. You know, I felt the last two, two days run game-wise, they were fine. You know, the last two days they were fine run game-wise, and that's running the ball and stopping it. So, uh, overall, I thought they got pretty good work. Who's a player or players that perhaps can jump up on the radar screen on Sunday? Well, a guy that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see Mitchell Lowen, what he continues to do, you know, so pretty much the young guys here. Uh, what, what what can Trey Hendricks do? You know, what can uh, Muhammad do? You know, some of those guys in that D-line. And then, you know, um, when you talk about can Tommy Lee follow up, you know, can Brandon Coleman have that breakout? Can Fuller kind of have a game? I mean, because those three guys are kind of fighting, so to speak, for whether it's that fourth, fifth, or sixth receiver spot, um, you know, I don't want to say you're disappointed, but a guy like Cadet, a guy like Stefan Anthony, you know, a guy, um, there's one more that I'm thinking of. But anyway, he, he's right on the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, he's right on the bubble that he needs game. Lampman, Lampman, he needs games. I think the, the, the staff likes what he can do, but he needs to be in the game to, hey, look, let me see what this guy can do because that's the only way he's really going to separate himself, you know, from this pack. Did, did the practices against the Chargers in any way expose further concerns that you might have about the Saints? Well, I mean, you knew they were young in certain areas. You know, in the secondary, they don't have a lot of starts behind them. You know, outside of Sterling Moore, 
who has over four games. You know, you had the rookies last year that, that played, undrafted guys, but, I mean, they don't have a lot of skins on the wall, and so they've got to do a great job of talking. Um, you know, same thing with linebackers. I mean, because you're implementing a new system, and, you know, those guys have to be able to pick it up. And so um, I, I, I think that I don't know if it's concern because when they went to team, they were able to at least generate pressure to make some of those throws more, uh, more contested. So they've got to – got some work to do but you know I think it was good work that they were able to get in what would make you feel better after Sunday and whether it be an area or an overall team aspect of improvement from preseason game one to preseason game two well you don't want a lot of the penalties you know whether it's uh um too many men on the field false starts you can't have that you know and then make sure that they're clean on assignment um you can you can understand and have some play hard uh penalties but you know it's going to be tough uh, if, if they're repeaters as far as guys continuing to do so. Um, you know, and I'd love to get some turnovers. You know, I think, you know, you had four sacks the last game, continue that trend, but to be able to create some turnovers I think is critical. All right. Do you remember any good joint practices over your playing days? Man, I remember some fights, you know. So. <laughs> there was none here, none the last two days. Uh, you, you look at the two head coaches, that's why. Yeah. You know, you look at the two head coaches, I think that speaks for itself. Thanks, Deuce. No problem, appreciate it. Daniel, back to you. Thanks, guys. Jim Henderson and Deuce McAllister will have the call for you on the New Orleans Saints radio network, 7 o'clock Central, Saints and Chargers on Sunday night. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, but we'll also talk about the Pelican schedule one last time. Sean Kelly, Jim Eichenhofer, myself, roundtable discussion. Pelican's talk is yours coming up. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. What's up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Time to talk some Pelicans. As most of you have already saw uh, on Pelicans.com and Facebook Live, Sean Kelly and David Wesley had a breakdown of the Pelicans' schedule, but we want to talk some more about the schedule with Sean Kelly, radio voice of the Pelicans, and Jim Eichenhofer, writer for pelicans.com hello guys i know your lives have been set for the next six months so we might as well talk about it right yeah and since david and i talked about this it didn't get any easier yeah yeah i thought i was hoping it would get easier the next time i looked at it it is not i had some folks tell me the other day that uh, according to some analytical report that the pelicans have the second toughest schedule in the nba Hmm. second only to the phoenix suns i followed it up by saying okay well what's the criteria then for determining what's the toughest mm-hmm. schedule, uh, they couldn't quite answer that. So I'm sure there's some algorithm or something, Jim, that that figures this all out. I Look, everybody has to play all the teams, right? Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, the exception is that the East doesn't have to play the West as much mm-hmm. as, say, the Pelicans do. Um, so I get that. Until until we get that fixed, we'll just – let's just seat everybody right. and have – have a schedule where basically you've balanced out. There are no conferences, basically. This is what you live with. But – there, there's some spine-tingling moments, it seems, on the schedule, and there are some weak-in-the-knees stretches as well. I don't know if I buy totally into the some of the analysis 
as far as who has the toughest schedule based on I could see you could say okay maybe the teams in the this southwest division have a tougher schedule than the other divisions in the west maybe theoretically based on record from last season or whatever but for the most part like you said you play exactly the same schedule so I don't think there there can't be that much of a difference between at least record wise between the schedule that New Orleans plays and Houston plays or Dallas plays teams in their division you you pretty much play the same there's a maybe one or two exceptions from year to year but so um but but we'll see it's there's definitely some very tough parts to it like you like you mentioned especially starting the season yeah and the only thing i can say about that is you know pelicans play the golden state warriors four times this year but i think they only play teams like phoenix and other sacramento three times so i think that's mm-hmm. where maybe that strength of schedule comes in where you're playing the defending champs four times but you're only playing phoenix three because the western conference you're not playing you play your divisional opponents four times, but you're not right. guaranteed to play all of your Western Conference opponents four mm-hmm. times. So I think that's maybe where the strength of schedule comes in. But for the second straight year, the Pelicans' home opener is none other than the Golden State Warriors on Friday night, national televised game on ESPN. And then, oh, yeah, your second home game, the other team they face in the NBA Finals, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, not an easy task for the Pelicans to start the season. No, and I and I doubt that any other team has those two in the first week. It just mm-hmm. happened to be that way, and it's three straight years now. You'll find Golden State on the Pelicans schedule in the first week of the regular season. Um, <laughs> it is, it is something else. And 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 Jim, it, it goes towards, um, you know, kind of this notion that the Pelicans have to get out of the gate well. Sure. And, and that is tough to do when you have Golden State and Cleveland, Daniel, as you mentioned, in your first two home games. Let's not forget that eight of the 12 out of the gate are on the road as well. The good news is this. Some of those road games are against teams that either are rebuilding or did not make the playoffs at all last year. Um, Who knows what Memphis is going to be like. That's your opener. You go to Los Angeles, even with all the hype and all the nationally televised appearances that the Lakers are getting with Mr. Ball, um, it's still a Lakers team that is a long way from, I think, contending – for a playoff spot. Sure. Sacramento, question mark. Portland, if they're healthy with – is it – it's your, it's uh, Nurkic, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Nurkic and what, what he will be like at the start of the regular season. That gets interesting there. Orlando's at home on that schedule, Daniel. But, look, there's a home game there on November 1st against Minnesota. So if you want to – if you really want to go deep into the first part of the home schedule, three out of your first four should be playoff teams – um, one probably will win the East. The other will probably win the West. And Minnesota is loaded right now. Uh, and they are in the same boat, I think, as New Orleans is to see whether or not everything fits. So I think that's a, that's a great study on November 1st about two teams that, that made changes, improved on paper, and whether or not there's good chemistry and, and how quickly it comes for either of those squads. Yeah, you know, when I first saw, I think, not just us, but the fans saw the Golden State game on the schedule first because that was what the the way the league announced it. But when I first heard that, I thought of Elvin Gentry joking the last couple of years about how it's amazing that there's a computer that puts together the schedule and it always puts somehow the computer always comes up with Golden State for this team early in the season. But um, yeah, I mean, as as tough as it is to start the year with some of those teams, I think you you make a good point about Minnesota. Those are the kind of games to me that are, of course, the team tries to look at every game as equal, equally important. But from from my perspective, a lot of times I look at those kind of games as the ones that are really crucial that you get. You want to beat the teams that are 
kind of in the same tier of the of the standings or or projections as as you are um teams like memphis portland uh, minnesota now is expected to make a big jump this year and they could be a, a team that you're vying with so you want to go two and two three and one against those teams in head to head you don't want to go oh and four like you did against a couple of the the teams that were kind of in the same um segment of expectations last season yeah and i think minnesota is one of those teams that you only play three times mm. so um your your ability to get a tie break over them uh, you better get going quick, and it's at home. And guys, we all know here in this room, and our fans are smart enough to know too. Successful teams are very, very successful at home. They take care sure. of their home schedule. And so, Jim, I think you're dead on as, as to how big that game is that early uh, against Minnesota on November the first. Can I throw one more stat at you? Sure. We talk about fast starts. Over the last two years, both non-playoff years, if you take the first twelve of each of the last two seasons. You're three and twenty-one. Mm. Three and twenty-one. Yeah. Injury riddled in both situations. Maybe more so last year. I still go back to this one thing about the fact that there's only one player who has been completely through both of Alvin Gentry's training camps. One, mm. it's Dante Cunningham. Right. Mm. Nice player. Yeah. Not one of your frontline guys. Yeah. Okay. And if you're looking at why this hasn't gone well so far and why the the starts have been what they have the last two years. I don't know how you ignore that. I don't know how you ignore the fact that, you know, wire to wire, start and finish a training camp under a head coach in his first year, and then obviously his second year, he had one guy. One. Yeah, I mean, from a – there's a lot of reasons why getting off to a good start is important, but I think one of them that you can't really measure is confidence. And I think even though last year's team started very poorly, eventually got into a, a rhythm at times – it was hard to ever see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel or see like, okay, we're about to get to where we need to go in terms of, you know, being in the top eight. So um, that, that was definitely, I mean, the last two years has been so frustrating because I mean, you can play the coulda, shoulda, woulda game forever, but to me, the tough, one of the toughest parts about the start last year was how many games that were, could have been wins. It wasn't like they lost, um, was it two and 10? I think they started before Drew Holiday came back and, and played his first game. Of those 10 losses, it wasn't like eight of them were by 25 points, or, you know, that kind of thing. There were three or four of them where it was like, how did they end up lo- How did they lose that game? Just be- some bad breaks. Um, the Phoenix game, I remember in particular, still bothers me, even mm-hmm. though it was almost a year ago. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that that's I, that's has to be the way that you look at the season is that you you get off to a good start, you build confidence, and um, when you, when you have when you're integrating a new player like Rajon Rondo. Um, I think when you, if you can start fast, it it just builds a lot of belief in the team overall that you know we're we're a lot better this year and we are we can be a playoff team. You mentioned Minnesota. You faced them at home twice, one the begin November and one to end November. So as you mentioned, Sean, those two games can be very crucial at the beginning of the season. As much as it's so important to start a season off well, I think finishing and for the Pelicans that could be in the playoff race. The last part of the schedule is not so easy for New Orleans. When you look at the end of March, you have Houston, Portland, Cleveland to end the month. Then you begin with Oklahoma City, Memphis at home, Golden State, Clippers on the road, and you end with San Antonio. So we talk about maybe the, this tough schedule on the road to start the season. The end of the season is not that much better. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The There's always, every season there are different reasons why during portions of the schedule the Pelicans have to be on the road. It, as everyone knows, Mardi Gras, for example, is one of those. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, they, the the Bayou Classic happens here, so you have to be on the road. But the one thing that I noticed from the April road trip 
that goes to Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers out west is that's during WrestleMania. So there's it's kind of funny. There's another thing. The WrestleMania that, road trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess we should call that. We should market it as that. But um, but yeah, that's uh. There's been a couple years lately where they finished pretty road heavy, including last season. I think it was the last four games were all out on the in the West somewhere. So it's another uh, example of that. At least this time you you do finish at home against San Antonio, which we remember from a couple of years ago was one of the most memorable moments really in team history as far as regular season goes. So it's a it's a it's an interesting um way to end the season and definitely also not easy in by any stretch. Let's talk about some of the things that the NBA is doing to encourage players not to rest, a lot of eliminating some back-to-backs. For the first time in NBA history, no team will have to deal with four games in five nights, which is very impressive, especially for us that have to work every game. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that we won't have to worry about that. But the back-to-backs reduced from 17 to 13. So how much do you like that the schedule's been moved up a little bit a week ahead to eliminate some of these back-to-backs? I think it makes a huge difference. I also like the fact that there was um, some effort. I don't know how heavy the effort was, but, okay, out of the out of the 13 back-to-backs, is there any way to, say, keep you geographically close together or even have a home back-to-back? Like there's a March home back-to-back that mm-hmm. if you're a basketball junkie, um, I'd load up. It's a, it's a weekend back-to-back, Saturday night, uh, against Houston, that's on March 17th, and then on uh, the 18th, the Sunday, it's Boston. Two really good teams. I mean, wow. Talk about pitch a 10 outside the Smoothie King Center, you know, and light a, light the Weber up and, and, and just have yourself a great weekend. That's I think that's an attractive thing. Um, I think that, by the way, that's a big month, I think, for the Pelicans. You're going to play eight home games that month. Mm. Um, those things, I think, are going to help. And I think, you know, in particular with the Pelicans schedule, and this has to do with, I think, being centrally located – uh, even though we probably should be in the Eastern Conference and we can do a whole other show about that. <laughs> um, because the Pelicans are kind of in the middle of the country, you don't have that swing that, say, an Eastern Conference team has where you're going to go out and play six teams out west. I think there's, I think there are no road trips longer than four games, right. and it might only happen twice mm-hmm. during the season. Really? That's kind of a layup as far as, I guess, being out on the road for a long time. Yes, you guys, I think, pointed out a big thing. There are some things that have to do with our – our calendar here in this city that force you out of town in maybe some <laughs> inopportune times. But I don't think by any means it's like the old Chicago Bulls circus trip or San Antonio's rodeo trip where, you know, they may be out two weeks. The Lakers Grammy you know, trip. Right. Yeah. So I think that as much as we're going to, you know, moan and groan about some of the things about the schedule, I, I think that actually the, the opening of the season a week earlier, the concerted effort to spread things out, maximizing chances for players scheduled rest uh, and everybody does it um, I think it's a good thing I, I like the way that part of the schedule lays out this will be my fifth season of traveling of doing every game and to me I think you could easily make a case that this is the, the by far the best schedule in terms of um, ways that you can rest players and I don't mean resting them in games I mean um, for example there's a few road trips where there's two or three days in between games um, to me, from my experience, and you know this better than I do, Sean, the not, not even playing, obviously not being on the court of just the travel part of it, what wears you out is having a bunch of nights where you're getting in, you're getting to sleep at 2 or 3 a.m. I can't imagine what it's like for the players. To me, the way that the schedule is set up now where there's fewer back-to-backs on the road, 
Um, and there's fewer, as I think Daniel mentioned, there's no four games in five nights. There's no like five games in seven nights or five games. Those are the stretches to me that really tire you out is when you can't get into a, a rhythm of sleep. I mean, there's going to be times where the, a, a road trip ends in Portland and we get back here at 5 a.m. That's unavoidable. But to me, and that tires you out, but it's kind of, to me it's more of a cumulative thing that, that adds up. And I think the way that they've made this schedule is by far the best I've seen in terms of you shouldn't be able to, I don't want to say use that as an excuse, but it shouldn't be as much of a factor as far as like, man, we're just worn out from the way that the schedule's been. Yeah, I I agree. And I thought last year was pretty awful with regard to time zone changes mm-hmm. in those situations. Not only did the geographically some of the trips last year kind of make no sense, but you were getting caught in some pretty drastic time zone changes. Um, I'm looking at the schedule now, and whether it just be whether it's just the Pelican schedule or they try to do this with everybody, there are no jarring time zone changes mm-hmm. during any of these trips. Yes, a couple of them do have a time zone change, but at least a full day in between the change. Um, whereas last year, you know, you'd play one night in Denver and the next night in Minnesota, you know, or yeah. vice versa. So you, not only were you going a long way, you were also losing an hour on the clock. And, and Daniel, I'm looking at it right now, and, and you know, all of these seem to have a geographic progression that makes sense and also without the jarring time zone changes that we saw, especially last year, but certainly, Jim, as you said, you know, in years gone by. So, um, though, see, there are some positives. There are <laughs> right. positives. Yes. I, I see that Denver trip. It goes Denver, and then Washington, Orlando, Miami. You're thinking, how are those on the same road trip? But if Denver is on a Friday, you don't play Washington till Tuesday. So if you are going to stay on the road, you have three full days to recover in Washington, D.C. If not, you have the option of if you want to come back home and then travel, you can. So like you mentioned, you might have, like you said last year, there were some geographical ones that didn't really make sense. The time zone changes, but at least this year, I feel like they're giving you more time to recover from those. So that is a good thing. I agree. Before we get out of here, is there anything on the schedule that we haven't talked about that kind of pops out? I know one thing that I think helped the Pelicans make their playoff push two years ago was how they did against the Eastern Conference, especially on the road against the Eastern Conference. A lot of these trips to the East are all clumped in together, like Washington, Orlando, Miami, New York, Boston, Atlanta. I think that's going to be very crucial with how tough the Western Conference is. I think how you do against the East will kind of help you in the playoff race. But is there anything that I've missed or we haven't talked about that kind of sticks out to you guys before we get out of here? You want to go first? Um, no, I mean, I'm not sure. I think we covered everything that I was gonna going to address. But um, just in general, to to your point, I mean, you have to do better against the East overall, but also on the road. But to me, one of the biggest emphasis, not just with the East, but overall, is you have to be better on the road. Period. I mean, I can't remember exactly what the record was last year on the road. It might have been 12 or 13. 13 and 28. 13 and 28, yeah. I mean, you have to be much closer to 500 on the road than that. Um, Is it realistic to to say you want to have a winning record? It might not be because there's not that many teams in the NBA that can pull that off. Even the best teams in the league um, don't finish that far far above 500. But um, to me, that's one of the big things. And starting off with eight of the first 12 on the road, I mean, that's key. That's... That's one fifth of your road schedule happens in the first twelve game overall games of the season, eight of forty one. So, um, that's one of the things that I that I want to watch is just just being more effective on the road, winning more games. And as Sean referenced earlier, you're playing teams that you're playing a lot of young teams in the beginning of the season on the road, and a lot of teams that are in rebuild mode, like Chicago and Indiana, have completely gone 
reverse course as far as what their goals are. So you're playing those teams, you know, seven, eight, ten games into the season when they still haven't developed their chemistry and gotten on the same page. Those are the games that you want to take advantage of right off the bat, I think. Two things for me before we wrap up. Um, you know, we mentioned how tough the first 12 are going to be and then the last two weeks, as you mentioned. There's one other segment of the schedule that, that scares me a little bit. It's from about November 20th to yep. about December 6th. Um, and just real quick, that's those are home games against Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Minnesota, Golden State, and Denver, who they say will be much improved, and I, I believe it. Road games in that same st- stretch, a back-to-back Phoenix and Golden State. Phoenix is no layup. We know what Golden State is. Utah and Portland. And uh, during that stretch there, I think survival is a key word. And, Jim, the reason I say that is because I think – I think in order to to make the Western Conference playoffs, and again, my opinion may change here as we get closer to the regular season, 45 to 46 wins may be what it needs to get in. You had 34 last year. That means you're going to have to improve by 11 to 12 wins to maybe make the Western Conference playoffs. That's a tall hill to climb. Not impossible, but that's a tall hill to climb to where you can't have – you can't have a really bad stretch on your schedule. Yeah, and you also have to take care of home court a little bit. I think the Pelicans were just a couple games over 500 at home. That means if you want to have a 12-win increase, six more wins on the road, six more wins at home. So we'll see if that happens here. And both those Golden State road games are second games of a back-to-back, so not easy when you face the defending champs there at Oracle. Sean Kelly, radio voice of the Pelicans, Jim Eichenhofer, writer for Pelicans.com. Guys, it's going to be here before we know it, and I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Dan. All right, now that the schedule is out, time to buy some tickets. Best chance to see the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers is through the 12 game packs. There's three of them, and you can get more information on pelicans.com or you can call 504-525-HOOP. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Pelicans and Chargers Sunday night from Los Angeles. Joel Myers, Sean Kelly, John Stinchcomb, John DeShazer will have the call on Fox 8 here locally. Of course, if you're not here in the Crescent City or the Gulf Coast. You can watch it on the NFL Network. We'll have a full recap on Monday's show, including reaction from Costa Mesa. Sean Kelly and John Stinchcomb will be back on, and I'll be hosting and recapping as well. Hope you all have a great weekend. Hope you all stay cool. And thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.